Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Week 15, the 14 players, our guys ahead of an awesome slate of NFL action. Hayden Winks, as always, joins me. But most importantly, the man... On the rise, the man who's doing everything right on the YouTube channel in the description down below. It's Ron Stewart. Ron, thank you for exiting the basement just for a little while and joining us for the next 40 to 45 minutes. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. It's almost it's almost kind of uh, like a neutral site here. Like we're, we're on your channel, <laughs> but you see the basement behind me. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. We're out here. I got the Garrett Wilson jersey in the background to kind of resurrect my Jets vibes back there. Right. Did it used to be hanging and then you had to make an adjustment based off of your projections that it had to be on the couch this time? I always, I've had OBJ and Manziel there, Garrett Wilson for wearing purposes. That's okay, what I'll, I'll have on on Sunday, but it's just, it's there. It's getting some sun right now. There you go. And who's to say we're not all in basements, you know, we all work yeah. in football. So I, I think on some level, we all work in basements. All right, here we go. You all know the drill today. 14 players that really pique our interest in a bunch of games. We're going to talk through matchups and individual performances as well. We'll start off with a Hayden Winks name. Dalvin Cook is being brought to show and tell today. This is the first game on Saturday, 1 o'clock Eastern, total of 47 and a half. And these Vikings are three and a half point favorites against the post-buy head coach bump for his rookie season in Jeff Saturday. How are you feeling, Hayden? Well, the moral of this show is going to be I'm going to be trying to find some names in this elite quadrant because there's only a couple of them. And Dalvin Cook is a name that's definitely pinging in that direction. The Vikings are one of three teams projected even over 26 points this week. Um, and I've talked about it before. Dalvin Cook hasn't been very good. So there's kind of two ways to lean into that. Number one, is there something going on? Or is it just bad luck and we got to be betting on some positive regression? I went to the fantasy usage model and he's one of the biggest names there. He's uh, 4.6 points fewer than he should be expected over the last month. He's actually the RB10 in usage, but RB29 over that span. And I think just I just want to bet on that because I'm looking around. They're just very hard to figure out any of these elite running backs that have the same type of team total right now. And the matchup's pretty good. 4.5 point home favorites here and offense is facing these Colts choose to run at the fifth highest rate in neutral spots. So um, I just think this is a chance to kind of buy the dip on Dalvin Cook. He's still not an elite running back one in my rankings, but I think for like DFS purposes, I think he's pretty interesting. Just looking at his past stats, and I agree with you, like 
The Lions did a great job shutting him down. They've done a good job shutting down a lot of big names lately. Then against the Jets, it was 20 carries for 86 yards on the score. That's an awesome defense. And we know the Patriots gives New England a lot of fits. Uh, excuse me. The Vikings a lot of fits at times. Now, with this Vikings offensive line, I think it's kind of hand-in-hand hand with some of the recent, you know, diminishing production that we've seen from Dalvin Cook. You get Christian Darisol back, I think, this week. You get Garrett Bradbury back this week. And just overall, this is such an insult to me to the Vikings at large for being a team right now that is 10 and three and just three and a half point favorites at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you get about what two and a half points now just being at home. So one point favorites against an awful Colts team that has barely won one game against the Las Vegas Raiders and literally has done nothing else ever since then. And sure, the Vikings roster has tons of holes in it. I know Ron's going to at some point discuss their secondary and how they can be targeted. Kirk Cousins had one of his best games, and if not his best game last week in totality. And so I just think the trickle down here will go to the playmakers in Justin Jefferson and namely Dalvin Cook and maybe his best game of the season. Do you have a so next name? I have the other side, Alec okay. Pierce. Speaking of post-buy rookie bumps, I know we were talking about Kevin O'Connell, but Alec Pierce is coming off his best game of the year. He had 18.6 PPR points, eight targets, four catches, 86 yards, a touchdown, 25% target share. And <clears throat> this helps out Dalvin Cook as well, where I think that this is kind of a sneaky, like good DFS uh, environment where this is the, f I was shocked. Like when I saw on paper, like Colts Vikings, I was like, this is a pretty boring game. 1 PM, like not, not skip, but it's like not all that excited for it, but they're the fourth highest over under the slate here at 47 and a half. And we know the Vikings, they have playmakers Jefferson. They score their seventh and neutral pace on football outsiders. But strangely, for a team that's led by Jeff Saturday, that we think the Colts are, you know, run heavy, hard nosed football with Jonathan Taylor, they have been the fastest neutral pace team in the NFL over the last four weeks. They're running the fifth highest no huddle in that span. So I think that there's going to be points on both sides here. And we know the Vikings, the secondary is awful. They've allowed the second most adjusted fantasy points to the position, along with allowing this was a really cool chart by I think uh, Arjun Menon. I think he works at PFF. He put it out. They're allowing the most plays of 20 plus yards this season. Yeah. I think that they've allowed 50 so far. So you have Alec Pierce here who has 13 targets of 20 plus yards downfield. Next highest on that team is Pittman at three. So he is their pretty much lone deep threat in this game. And I think if you're sort of navigating in that like wide receiver 40 area, you're down bad, you need a flex like and you're going spike week hunting. I think Alec Pierce is in a nice spot to, you know, catch a couple balls, 85 yards, a touchdown. I think that, that that's in his wheelhouse. So I'll push back on this just a little bit or ask some questions. Maybe is the better way of putting this because this is almost a negative in the Vikings secondary and how bad they are. And you outlined it with a 20 plus yard allowing plays versus a negative of what Matt Ryan brings to the table as a passer because he is by far and away dead last in terms of his attempts that traveled 20 plus yards down the field. And now, that's not to say that this passing offense can't create points, right? Like we've seen Matt Ryan against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense and over the middle and intermediate and short over and over and over again. I just don't know if, despite how bad the Viking secondary is, if Matt Ryan even has a shell of an former self to even throw the ball down the field. And I think that that's where Alec Pierce is going to be successful with whatever future quarterback he plays with. You know this, Ron. You go through all the prospects every single year. He's like an athletic vertical playmaker who I think struggles to create separation at this point. So if there is ever a team like the Jaguars, when Alec Pierce did have that game winning touchdown for him to create downfield explosive plays, it could be this game, 
But I'm I'm so terrified of what Matt Ryan is in his current form that these might be the last like three or four games we ever see of him that I don't know if this is like the right place to get it, if that makes sense. I'm I'm kind of in between both of you guys. I'm with um, Ron here that I think the Colts can move the ball and that that pace is sneaky higher than you would expect. I actually have a different name in this yep. wide receiver crew in Michael Pittman. The Vikings defense in the secondary has been really bad. The 31st against fantasy wide receivers. What's interesting about that big play metric that you mentioned, though, is they're actually uh, – third highest percentage of their snaps in a two high shell up at 70% and their fourth highest in zone coverage. Yet they're still giving up these big plays to me when I'm thinking about the type of skill set that's going to win underneath and then have yards after the catch appeal. I see kind of Michael Pittman. I've seen some slants and some screen passes to Michael Pittman that can get going. So I, I just think that it's a good matchup for him based off of the way the Vikings defense plays very soft coverage on the backside and Michael Pittman, uh, has a 6.5 eight out, so it kind of matches up there. And then in these two high zone looks, he actually has a 59% success rate on those type of targets. So I'm with Ron. I think that he can move the ball yeah. against this defense. I do think there's a little bit, not shootout appeal, because I don't think the Colts could do that necessarily. But I think you can have a, enough of a back and forth where the Colts passing can get there. Michael, uh, Michael Pittman, I think, is the be- most consistent player against this Vikings defense. But Alec Pierce can win downfield, and the Vikings have been giving up those big plays. Ron, I know every week, early in the week, people on your channel love your big takeaways from the weekend. A section of that, I've done my homework here, is the rookie report. Where does Alec Pierce fall lately in that rookie report, if you remember? Because there was a lot of optimism coming to the league. I think he, again, perfectly fits the archetype that he was projected to be, and that perfectly works against the quarterback he's attached to but i also don't want him to enter as you call it the face planter status heading into 2023 as well yeah he's in a in a really weird spot because he's been up and down all year where like i'm looking now like week nine 81 of the routes and 60 percent the 90 percent, and then he's sort of been hovering around like 75 percent of the routes he's a guy where he hasn't been commanding a ton of volume, but when you're working downfield, like a 16.7% target per out run on that ADOT isn't terrible. He's pretty meh for right now, but it is also like, it, it's a good point that you're making with Matt Ryan that that's not his skill set. So it is kind of like, uh, you can sort of point back to like DJ Chark and those quarterbacks behind Trevor Lawrence, like right. those deep down the field wide receivers with quarterbacks that can't get it past the sticks. It becomes like, you know, a really tough sort of skill set match there. So I think, He's at least not face planning. I think that he's shown enough. Like where David Bell has been a zero. Yes. Sky Moore has kind of been a zero. I like can't even get on the field. Like at least Pierce can get on the field. He's kind of been battling with Paris Campbell this year. He He's interesting at least. Yeah. Well, I can solve that issue. I have a column uh, on Underdog Network where I'm predicting where every quarterback lands. And I have the Colts trading for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers contract Whoa. suddenly <laughs> i learned about this because like if you go over the cap and like just look at the charts the um like dead cap and all that stuff it's crazy but that's because that's they're assuming the option is picked up they don't have to pick up that option he actually has a tradable contract so we'll see what happens with alec pierce i think he's a good enough player i think he's going to be a number two number three dj chark's a good kind of example of that uh but i'm not leaving uh the light off on him i think he's got a chance he just needs a quarterback a, a lot of people might be wondering why we start with this game I mean, this is one of the highest holes of the weekend, 47 and a half. And there should be a lot of yards and a lot of points. Like just looking through the pick and lobby, 90 and a half rushing plus receiving yards for Dalvin Cook. Again, he hasn't come close to that 
in recent weeks. And then Kirk Cousins at 35 and a half passing attempts. And as what you said, Ron, leading into this conversation, this new young OC play caller that the Colts have, he's actually running with some pace and some tempo and all that type of stuff. So it's not, as you said, just smash mouth, run over your face with the football. It should be a fun game. That's the, again, the first one of the weekend. All right. I want to bring it all the way around. And uh, since he's our guest, talk a little bit about the Jets and the Detroit Lions. You know, maybe we can frame this conversation around Zonovan Knight to start because the move from Mike White, who was not cleared for this game because of the abdominal injury, then over to uh, Zach Wilson. To me, this again, and Ron, tell me if you disagree with this, is going to take away the opportunities, as we have seen each and every week, for Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore when tied to Zach Wilson as a passer. And instead, they will once again lean heavily, like they did early in the season, on the running game. And what we have seen from Zonovan Knight in recent weeks is he actually has the closest amount of juice to what Brees Hall brought to the table earlier this season when this team was, what, 5-1, and 5-2 and two with Zach Wilson as a starter. And it's because when you create these alleys, these seams, he has that explosiveness to take advantage of them. And so, again, I know that the Lions defense has done a pretty good job, at least on paper, stopping running backs from having spike weeks against them. But when you dig into the advanced metrics behind that, it doesn't seem like they have something or solved anything. And so I think Zonvin Knight is going to be the key for the Jets beating the Lions on Sunday. Yeah, and I agree. And I think uh, this is a good tweet from uh, Sam Hoppin. He brought up the splits. Zach Wilson in the lineup, minus 5.7% pass rate over expectation, 0% without. So, you know, right about league average. And then with Zach Wilson, they really try and hide him. I don't think that they're going to get him in their first game off of like kind of like a, a meltdown and just be like, hey, Zach Wilson, go win us this game. Uh, it's going to be a lot of Zonovan Knight. I do think that there is some something there. I know that you sort of highlighted like LaFleur is a, a very good uh, run schemer, like for yeah. as much as his downfalls of like he loves, he loves him some Barrios red zone. Yeah, he he loves Barrios <laughs> in the red zone. He is a big he is a big Barrios guy, but the run schemes are good. I will say. I remember uh, a while back, you guys were kind of talking about uh, the dynamic of like Carter and Brees Hall on the field at the same time. Have you have you followed? No, up we haven't. On that at I haven't all? seen that recently at all. I haven't I really seen haven't. it with Zonovan Knight at all, and I and I've, I wanted I want to see that a little bit. Like I know Carter hasn't been uh, very good this year, but I think it would be I think it would be interesting to sort of mess around with with Zonovan Knight, kind of giving you that burst of Brees Hall, like uh, Walmart version, but still. Yeah. No, because. I think that's a great point because even, and it might've been an interception that Zach Wilson threw or something. They had it with Ty Johnson and Michael Carter. Uh, but ever since Zonovan Knight took over, they, they haven't been able to do that. Um, I I'm really intrigued by Zonovan Knight. I'm not going to go out here and say, Oh man, we need to keep an eye on him ending into next year and blah, blah, blah. But just for creating yards on your own. And again, having that straight line burst, which these pulling blockers and once you can create lanes, that's what Michael four is all about. He seems like their best approach here. Do you, do you think that with time off and if it's even just one or two or three weeks, because for people heading into the first round of their playoffs, Ron, the mindset shift of, oh man, we get Garrett Wilson as potential top 10 wide receiver. We get Elijah Moore as a potential top 20 wide receiver playing in the slot and how awful the lines have been covering slot wide receivers the last few weeks. Is there any hope for those two roster elements here in round one of the playoffs? I think there is like I, I almost wanted to like when I told you I, I had Elijah Moore on this list and then Mike White isn't cleared for Sunday. 
I almost wanted to switch to Garrett Wilson and just give the people kind of a, a vote of confidence here because I think there are some people out there that are going to see, okay, Zach Wilson's in, it's all over, bench Garrett Wilson. I think not so much where Garrett Wilson goes from, I, I know, you know, like top 10 wide receiver this week, like wide receiver nine, wide receiver eight in a lot of rankings. I, I'd have a hard time putting him outside of like my top 15 to 20 this week. If we look here, like New England's always going to own Zach Wilson, but before that, Against Buffalo, Garrett Wilson had nine targets, eight catches, 92 yards. Before that, against New England, seven catches or seven targets, six catches, 115 yards. It's not a terrible like he he can operate within this offense with Zach Wilson against Detroit, who we know isn't amazing against the pass. It's a it's a good matchup here. I think that they're going to sort of scheme things open to get Garrett yeah. Wilson and Elijah Moore in there. And you also have it's not as uh like the, the distribution isn't as flat as it was in the beginning of the season where you had a lot of Tyler Conklin. You had a lot of uh, Corey Davis, like very, very early on. Like without Corey Davis, I think it's going to be a little bit more consolidated. And you don't have Brees Hall taking, you know, like four or five targets a game. Yeah, I, I think the targets are going to be somewhat fine because like this, this gives them a higher chance of them trailing where they have to throw the ball to them. Uh I, I'm still have Garrett Wilson inside my top 15. Elijah Moore, I think I still will be a flex option for me. I had him like wide receiver 32 or something like that. I think I'll still be a top 40 wide receiver. Um, but just for full clarity, this morning, the Jets team total was at 23 and a quarter points. It's dropped down to 21 off the news. And even before that, earlier in the week, the Jets team total was much, much, much higher. So I wonder if Vegas kind of knew... Yeah, kind of knew that there was going to be a quarterback change based off of the injuries, and we finally got the last bump. That's like multiple, multiple points here, so that's not a good indication for for Zach Wilson. The coaching comments, by the way, were pretty int- uh, interesting to me. Uh, they admitted that they were looking for second opinions to get Mike White cleared. That's a sign of desperation here. So I do think that the quarterback change matters for the Jets' odds to win this game. I still think that if they end up trailing in this game, that's not necessarily the bad a bad thing for Garrett Wilson either though. Yeah. And even if the point total goes down for Zonovan Knight, which it obviously has, I think the opportunities will, will rise up. And Ron, one final point we made prior to the show is I'm with you. The quick game, Zach Wilson stuff will be his best Avenue of success here. Get rid of the ball in like 2.35 seconds. And maybe that's quick throws to Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. It's not, you know, the downfield shots, the intermediate shots, the fourth down, but that's just him. That's I know not the scheme is just him. No, it is, but that that's what he has to do in order to be successful. And what I'm saying is the intermediate and downfield, again, third and long, fourth and medium, that Mike White was doing the face of pressure last week cannot happen this week. That's just yeah. not in the range of outcomes for Zach Wilson unless he has transformed. They're going to limit him from those, you know, like scramble back 20 yards, like spin well, out of nothing. I would like, like he to looks see like it. a little kid playing that. Madden. It's Look, bad. It, it might happen on the other side with Jared Goff, too, if he gets pressure enough because he's yeah. had a tendency for that in his history. So. All right, Hayden, your name. I feel like, have you been giving me giving me some names? You gave me Zonovan Knight right there, I guess. Um, I'm going to go Miles Sanders. Uh, this is a Chicago Bears defense that we've said is tanking, and they ha- have been, uh, at least on defense. Teams facing the Chicago Bears have the second highest neutral run rate, and I think this is pretty important just because we've seen what the Eagles do on offense based off of their matchups. I think that they changed kind of their tendencies based off of opponent more than anybody else. Just looking at this, like the last couple weeks against the Giants who didn't have a Dory Jackson also play a lot of man coverage. I think that the Eagles feel pretty confident against that had an 80% neutral pass rate the week before the Titans, who are the uh, one of the biggest pass funnels in the league 
also 79% neutral pass rate. And then the week before that against the Packers, who've been a run funnel for, for years, that drops down all the way to 44%. You've seen this swing back and forth. And I think that they're going to lean into this really run heavy game plan. And even if they jump out with a couple uh, passes early on, I don't see the bears uh, being able to put up that many points on the back side of this. So I think even in the second half, you can just have Miles Sanders ball out. So I think it's the perfect matchup for him. And uh, just going back to that original chart right now, it's so hard to find teams or running backs that have high team totals. And right now the Eagles are one of two teams to be projected over 27 points. So uh, I'll be betting on this. I know he's a negative regression candidate. He's been running so pure, but I think that there's a reason for that because his offensive line is so good because Jalen Hurts so hard to stop in some of these run looks. And I think Miles Sanders is a week to take advantage. I have him all the way up inside my top seven. I think it's the highest I've had him rank all year. Yeah. I mean, the Bears defense has been tanking since they trade Roquan Smith. Uh, to your point, we know Jamal Williams leads the NFL and carries inside the five yard line. Just one behind that is Jalen Hurts. Just one behind that. That's at 18. And Miles Sanders is all the way down at eight. You know, he scored five touchdowns off of those, but. He can score touchdowns, you know, from 10, 15, whatever yardage. But it just does indicate how perfect this offense is set up for Jalen Hurts skills and how Jalen Hurts perfectly runs this offense as well at the same time because it's all flowing and it all, you know, works to the strengths of, of each side of that. Because, look, we can – and maybe this isn't exactly what the team wanted to be offensively from the start, but this is what they've morphed into. And as you said, it can be going into it from a game approach. And even if the game starts varying for whatever degree due to weather or due to injuries, they change up their approach quarter to quarter as well. And that's a really good sign for, for a good team. Obviously and the Eagles are by far and away the favorites in the NFC. My last note there is that's not a negative Jalen hurts discussion because no. if they go with a run heavy approach, obviously Jalen hurts could be a part of that. Yeah. All right, Ron, kick us off with a big name, a guy who's been letting a lot of people down. And if I could go back and look at his numbers for advanced rates and best one eighty three, he's probably quite low. Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I, I remember uh, a time, you know, when uh, underdog was still probably a little puppy and somebody <laughs> uh, oh! snuck Alvin Kamara mm. into the best ball mania championship. And he won him a lot of money. And I think Jason that Herzog. Alvin Kamara yep. <laughs> might be one of those guys where if you snuck him in this year, I know he's been he's been bad, right? He's been the RB 37 since week nine. He's averaging 8.5 points per game in that span. But I absolutely love him this week. And part of the reason for his recent struggles is you've had Mark Ingram like really eating into his snaps. Mark Ingram encountered for 43% of the snaps versus Tampa Bay before the bye. He's now hurt. So they have like this weird, like three headed monster of like David Johnson, Eno Benjamin, Dwayne Washington behind Kamara. I think we're going to see Kamara get back to him being a bell cow. Now, we know Kamara as like the guy who's going to catch a ton of passes, but he sort of was making his money in the beginning of the year on a ton of carries in his first six games this year. He had 15 or more carries in four of those six games. Since then, he's only been over 10 carries twice. So I think with no Ingram, we'll see that more. And he gets a spot here versus the Falcons at home. The Falcons are 26th in, I believe, rushing EPA per play allowed. They're ranking dead last in pass rate over expected to their opponents. So people, when they play the Falcons recently, they're running the ball a ton. And you have a spot here where the Saints are four-point home favorites. They have an implied team total of 23.5, something I know Hayden loves. Eighth highest of the slate. They're going to score points. And it's actually their highest team total since week eight, which happens to be a home game versus the Raiders against another bad run defense. 
where Kamara dropped 40. And a little cherry on top here is Kamara has been a stud at home this year. In five games, which is a pretty good sample. He has 21.7 points per game at home, 9.8 on the road. So you kind of get a spot here where if Kamara was ever going to, you know, carry you into that next round with like a 30 plus point, you know, crazy performance, it could be this week. Mm. You're right. The team total is much higher than you would expect at 23 and a half points. I was considering Alvin Kamara. I was also considering Mr. Chris Olave too. Oh, yeah. It's Chris Olave's time. I mean, what we have seen from this player, you know, he's been unbelievable as a rookie. And it's not in the same way as Garrett Wilson, who, you know, hops like he is on a pogo stick, has dead leg crazy movements and is a route running. It's not Christian Watson with these pinpoint 45-yard touchdowns along the sideline from Aaron Rodgers. It's not wild George Pickens catches along the sideline either. It's zero wasted movement. Everything is precise. And he's doing it with freaking Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston at quarterback. Ron, I know you love your yards per route run when talking about wide receivers. He is seventh across the entire league, okay? These are the six players ahead of him. Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Jalen Waddle. Having Chris Olave ahead of A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, C.D. Lamb, whole Jamar Chase, are you kidding? And this is a team in the Atlanta Falcons who struggle to create pressure. And we have seen Andy Dalton, when kept clean this season, complete 72% of his passes. And I know A.J. Terrell has probably had two of his better games over these last two weeks. But they moved Chris Olave like 200 snaps at left wide receiver, 140 in the slot, 200 snaps at right wide receiver too. So to me, this is one of the bigger mismatches of the entire week. And I cannot believe that the shadowy risk team over at Underdog Fantasy in the Pick'em Lobby has his higher or lower at just 59 and a half receiving yards. That could be one catch this week for Chris Olave for crying out loud. I think it's going to be the game where during the offseason when we're evaluating like the tape and how good each one of these young players are, I think this is going to be the first game I'm going to go back and watch just because A.J. Terrell, I think, is playing, like you said, very well. And I think that he's going to see a lot of them. Um, but like you said, I think Chris Olave versus Terrell is evenly matched as like a top 10 corner in the league. And then Chris Olave emerging as a potential top 10 wide receiver in the league, too. Like maybe they don't think the Falcons will do their part and we'll get to them in just a moment of keeping up, but he crossed this 56 or 59 and a half receiving yard total in each of the last three weeks as well. And we even heard about Chris Olave as much in the last three games as we did in the earlier parts of the season, Ron, when he was making highlights each and every week. I'm in love with Chris Olave's game because again, it's almost like this quiet killer. You know, he does nothing flashy, but the end of the day, you look up and he's by far and away leading the team in target share and by far and away leading the NFL. And it feels like air yards every single week. It's super impressive, too, just with like the air yards thing. Uh, I brought it up a couple or maybe a couple weeks back or like a week ago. But if you look at wide receivers with like an eight out of like 13 and a half yards, it's like 19 wide receivers. You have like DJ Chark, Gabe Davis, all these downfield wide receivers, all of them top out in targets per out run. At like 18%, like or actually Mike Evans is 19.3% target per out run on like a 14 yard A dot. Olavi's at 26% target per out run on a 15.2 yard A dot. Like getting open, getting Andy Dolan to trust you to the point where, it, and that line's been shaky this year too. So for him to, you know, sit in the pocket and get him the ball that far downfield that often is crazy. He's getting open, he's humbling me. He wasn't somebody I loved coming out of school. Mm. Um, but he is, you know, like you said, he's not flashy. He is, you know, your dad's favorite wide receiver. He just goes out Fine. there. <laughs> he goes out there with his briefcase and he yes. just does it. 
Um, all right. I want to talk about a rookie on the other end. And it's going to make Hayden happy. Drake London. So I feel like this late in the season, when we get quarterback changes, and especially one that's going from Marcus Mariota to Desmond Ritter, it can be difficult to kind of reset our opinions of what an offense is. But I think that this is the reason why they make this move is because, and Arthur Smith said it himself, he wants a more balanced offense. You know, Atlanta is 13% below pass rate expectation. They rank 32nd in early down passing rate in neutral game scripts this season. In fact, it's them and the Bears uh, in terms of leading the NFL in rush percentage. And those are the highest since the 2009 New York Jets. Name that full roster right now, Ron. I'll wait for you. Would you say uh, 2009? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, again, they're not going to bring in Desmond Ritter and be like, well, we're going to run that same run it and try to throw it deep offense. And so if we get more volume for Drake London, who's seen very little volume so far this season, in fact, just two games of over eight targets, one in week two, he had eight catches, 86 yards and a score, one in week 13, six catches, 95 yards. So more volume, more opportunity for Drake London means good things happen. And look, it might be a bit chaotic. It might, you know, be a little high variance, but I think Desmond Ritter is going to, because there's no one else to get it to other than Olamide Zacchaeus. Give Drake London a platform to have the most success you've seen in re- in weeks. Obviously, a very small sample, but he did have 17.2 expected half PPR points going into the bye. That's one of the first games without Kyle Pitt. So, yeah, I, I've also there's like, is there a narrative that the two rookies have been throwing the ball to each other all offseason? This is the time for them to to show it off, maybe. So, if not that, we have got the post by rookie bump, which is undefeated. I'm a huge fan, huge fan of Drake London. Um, I think he's one of those players, Ron, that when more people kind of dig into what he showed in isolation this season, they're going to like him even more and talk themselves into him even more heading into next year. It's just been an abysmal situation from start to finish. And I don't know if we can use like the earn targets moniker when not even Cal Pitts can do that in this offense. And these are like two big athletic bruising catch point when after the catch type wide receivers. To me, it's just the offense tanks any optimism you could have had this season for both of them. It's crazy. Olave is first among wide receiver or rookie wide receivers with 26% target per out run. London's right there at 25.6%. Like yeah. on a per route basis, he's been great. Of course, yards per out run is going to tank when Marcus Mariota's throwing the ball. PFF grade looks solid as well, which is like one of the bigger indicators for rookie wide receivers. Everything that's isolated from what this offense has been slow running the ball, poor quarterback play, he has been great. And I think, especially with like young guys like this, just buy into the talent, it'll pay off eventually. Yeah. And I solved all our issues with Kyle Pitts and Drake London in my column, the Atlanta Falcons starting quarterback next year, Ryan Tannehill, after they trade for him, reunites Arthur Smith. How do you like that? Uh, if all of you are new to the channel, coming from Ron's channel, potentially, welcome. We appreciate it. We love having our friend Ron here. Stick with us. Subscribe. Leave a thumbs up as well. Um, Ron, why don't we continue this conversation with just like a rookie wide receiver territory because it's their time to shine mm. and go over to Christian Watson. Monday Night Football, Los Angeles Rams. The Packers here are favored by seven points with just a teeny tiny total of 39 and a half. This is a great week for Hayden because over half <laughs> of the wide receivers are on by. The rookie What's wide new? receivers. There's like 14 rookie wide receiver bumps to sort of point at this week. One of them's going to hit. Um, Christian Watson's in a perfect spot where they're going to be at home versus the Rams, fresh off a of bye here. And you had Rodgers who has been dealing with all kinds of weird injuries like a thumb, a rib injury. He now gets, you know, like a week of rest. He's staying at home. Apparently, he's off the injury report. 
and they're playing versus the Rams, who have the third worst EPA per pass play defense over the last four weeks. They are allowing the fifth highest explosive pass rate, which we know Christian Watson does that a ton. And when you are playing against this Rams defense, it's going to be a lot of big plays, a lot of scoring. And you have Aaron Donald out there who is like kind of iffy for Sunday. I'm not sure if he's going to play. It looks like he's not going to. And the Packers, by Vegas' standards, are going to score points this week. They're the ninth highest team total this week. They're seven-point favorites at home. There should be Green Bay points. It's going to be cold. These are two teams that are slow as well. I will say that they're they're not very high-paced teams. But if someone was going to go out there, pass efficiently, you know, maybe pass for like two touchdowns, like 220 yards, I think Rodgers can do it. I like Watson off the bye. They also have a lot to play for. Or not a lot to play for, but it's like they have 8% playoff chances here. If they lose, it goes down to 0.6%. So then pretty much dead at that point. Yeah, yeah this is a playoff game for the Green Bay Packers. And yeah, you you stole it right from me. When you're looking for teams that are supposed to score points this week, Packers are one of them. And it's not going to be a lot of plays. Uh, Romeo Dobbs does come back here. I do think that's uh, slightly concerning. But Christian Watson isn't so dominant this year. And yeah, the Jalen uh, Ramsey matchup, like I guess that's tough on paper. But I've seen Jalen Ramsey kind of get smoked this year. And they put them in a very tough spot. And if they can't uh, rush the pass right now, which they can't, um, I think this can be one of the sneaky spots for Aaron Rodgers. I have him as my quarterback 10 this week. And that's yeah, not do. necessarily because like I'm in love with Aaron Rodgers. There's a lack of like this kind of secondary tier of quarterbacks right now. And the team total is high. And I think the team total is high because they're finally getting healthy, including Aaron Rodgers himself. Didn't you see Aaron Rodgers like finishing the season against the Rams, against the Dolphins, against the Vikings, like better than, you know, the vast majority of it. And then, you know, giving positive feelings as we head in the off season. And then it was like, Oh, why do we doubt Aaron Rodgers? You know, he's going to turn it back around and 2023 New York. Right. <laughs> and you know, according to my column, he's going to the damn Colts oh guys. Go read the column. You know, Hayden loves his column. Who, who's going to be my Jets quarterback next year. It's Jimmy G versus Mike white. Okay. Okay, I can live with it. <laughs> All right, let's talk in, in actualities here. Um, it's Yeah, I mean, the, the rider stuff, as you said, Hayden, they play really slow. They don't run a ton of plays. But I also think if the Rams offense, which for the vast majority of last game was not good until that final Baker Mayfield drive, if they can't move the ball either and actually maybe the Packers create some turnovers on Baker Mayfield, then you just get the ball in more advantageous situations as well. You don't have to drive as further along down the field. So I'm with you. Uh, this Packers game to me speaks to uh, maybe the best performance of the year, or maybe since, I don't know, week 10 against the Dallas Cowboys when Rodgers put up three touchdowns and just 20 passing attempts. Let's put also, the, the, real quick, the neutral pace stuff, I think that's very correlated to how good you think your offense is. And mm. Aaron Rodgers said it himself. He thinks that this team's going to get better as the season progresses because there's so much young talent on this offense. You can see them. I don't think they're going to be playing with a lot of pace, but they can go up a couple spots and that adds a couple extra plays. We'll take it. All right, let's lean into more of Hayden's guys. Mike Williams of the Chargers going against the Tennessee Titans secondary. Got smoked by Trevor Lawrence last week. And now at home, Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keen Allen and company, three-point favorites with a total of 46 and a half here, Hayden. I believe if the Chargers win this game, they have a higher than 50% chance of making the playoffs. They are first in neutral pass rate. The Titans are first and neutral pass rate against them on defense. So I just say, do the math here. How is this supposed to fail at home? The Titans 
are dead last against fantasy wide receivers for that reason. I don't see any reason for the Chargers to even attempt to run the ball on this Titans front seven. So it just kind of comes down to the debate. Do you like Keenan Allen more or do you like Mike Williams? And based off of my eye test here, the undefeated eye test, I think Mike Williams looked really good last week. And I think Keenan Allen slowing down just a little bit. If you look at some of his advanced metrics over the last couple of seasons as well, you can see the yards per route run slightly taking a dip here. I think that he's going to win on the perimeter. And I think that the Justin Herbert led chargers are going to win a couple big games down the stretch and sneak into the playoffs. And I think the primary reason for that is because they can finally start stretching the field a little bit more because Justin Herbert's a little healthier with his ribs and they have Mike Williams back. Who's I think the only person in this offense that can win against man coverage. And that's how you have to beat these teams down the field with some sideline shot. So give me Mike Evans for a hundred yards and touchdown. Ooh, Ron, I think you brought Mike Williams to the table too. I also brought Mike Williams to the table and I'll say, I love him for all those same reasons, but going back to the big plays allowed, we know big play Mike, he makes his money downfield and the Titans defense is allowing the third most pass plays of 20 plus yards. So that is right where he makes his money. Awful pass defense. Like you said, do the math, pass the ball a ton defense that forces you to pass the ball a ton. Also, Pretty high team total, 25.25. So there should be plenty of scoring, plenty of passes to go around. I think I think all of them can get home. I think Keenan Allen can get home. I think Mike Williams can get home. I think it'll be a good day for their passing game. Interesting. I, Just looking at the Battle Royale, by the way, rankings, Hayden. He's going as what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wide receiver nine after, after Garrett Keenan. Wilson right now and after, after Keenan Allen. I like Mike Williams yep. definitely over Keenan Allen. I also want to mention for the best ball mania, three people out there, if you're sweating some teams, I was looking at some of the advance rates and the chargers advance rates like Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan, because of injuries have been pretty bad. That is some leverage play. I think them and like the Cowboys, like Dak Prescott hasn't been so high. I think that the chargers are a very dangerous team for like winning $2 million in best ball mania three, if they get, get the right matchups here. And I think they do. All right, I'll go next. I'm going to throw guys, just a ton of rookies. Imagine that this late in the season, Brian Robinson. Um, Last time Brian Robinson touched the field, 21 carries for 96 yards, another two catches. Then he had a bye week. We love those rookies out for bye weeks. And that last game he played against these New York Giants. Um, so we get the post by rookie bump along with one of his best, not just volume performances, but performances of the season as well. I think Scott Turner looks at Wink Martindale's defense and is like, hey, maybe Taylor Heineke throwing the football wasn't the best avenue of success 41 times last time these two teams were on the field, and we maybe need to lean more into this running game against a Giants defense that has gone through a lot of injuries as of late. And it's interesting to see and look at like the, the advanced stats, but Dexter Lawrence has been wreaking havoc, especially when rushing the passer. But in run defense, has not been as solid this year, but Leonard Williams left about halfway through that game didn't play last week. I think he's been a limited participant all week with a neck injury. So it was a ton of snaps for Brian Robinson two weeks ago, 85. But to me, when you just from a weird storyline standpoint, open the season as the starter in preseason, then have your leg shot. And then you are out for four to five weeks now you get a bye week to rest up and get ready for maybe a playoff stretch in a game that should be a must win. Let's ride Brian Robinson, who again, from the start of this year, was supposed to be the team starting running back after Antonio Gibson 
you know, lost that position. So I think Brian Robinson could hover around 20 touches in this game. And I really do believe the rushing attack, the commanders know is their key to victory over the Giants. Commanders dead last in neutral pass rate. They want to win the game on the ground with Brian Robinson. And they've been able to do that recently. I, I think like the only counterpoints is how sustainable is Washington to keep winning these games. Uh, maybe their defense is good enough and maybe Taylor Heineke can just keep getting away with it to uh, to the extent where but, they can establish some leads here. But uh, to, to that point, Hayden, I think we learned that the Giants aren't sustainable in any way. You oh, know? of course. Yeah, right. of course. So they went from having the peak of their season to now just totally tanking. Like the tie a couple weeks ago was one of their best performances we've seen from them in weeks. So whatever Washington does put out there. We always believe that Scott Turner is a good coach. Mm-hmm. I trust that more so than I do of, you know, asking Daniel Jones to thread needles and perfectly hit it. And when you don't play the running game, blah, 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 then don't respect it. This team just crumbles after that. So anyways, team feels all right. Big week. Big week. Um, Ron, I think you have one more name. Deontay I Foreman. Do. Is that I correct? Deontay Foreman in here. Um, he's going to be at home versus Steelers. And I think that the reason why he's sort of like sliding down, I guess, like consensus ranks or just like people aren't that confident in him is it's it's a bad look when you have 8.5 PPR points to Hubbard's like 18.9. And it sort of looks like Hubbard either like overtook him or this is now like a true split. And I think that Hubbard has probably played himself into more touches for sure. But when you look at the expected points, Foreman had 17.5 to Hubbard's 14. It's just that Foreman underperformed his by nine points, whereas Hubbard overperformed his by like five. Um, and when you look at the Panthers, they're almost like almost like San Francisco 49er ish back when like they would actually have a huge rushing attack with like Raheem Mostert and everything. They have had a ton of points to go around in this backfield. This is actually a Hayden Winks chart I'm looking at uh, 26.1 points to go around this backfield in terms of usage. They're going to run the ball a ton. They've sort of been hiding Sam Darnold where over the last three weeks they've had the second lowest pass rate over expectation while also being the fifth best rush EPA per play offense. They have run the ball super well. They get the Steelers who just let a hobble J.K. Dobbins go for 120 yards. It should be a good spot here where at least the Steelers are pretty soft. They're eighth worst in rush EPA per play allowed. So I like Foreman as like a fringe RB2 here. They're home favorites, which is pretty crazy to say against the Steelers. Oh, yeah. Um, And I think Hubbard is kind of like a sneaky flex play as well. What I love about this game is Mitch Trubisky starting at quarterback. Deontay yep. Johnson potentially not playing as well. And so what this Panthers secondary, and especially J.C. Horn, is playing like right now, and then what Mitch just put on the field last week and turnover after turnover after turnover, this could be shorter fields. And look, if the Panthers go out there and get an early lead, we know that Deontay Foreman is such a major part of the success when it's tight games or they win games. And Ron, to your point with Chuba Hubbard, because regrettably I watch the Panthers every single week, I think part of that is Foreman was dealing with some type of small injury because there were entire series he was just on the sideline, and those were between Chuba and Blackshear. So hopefully another week removed from that. But man, they love Deontay Foreman. They, I think his skill set perfectly fits what the offensive line's current skill set is as well in terms of we're just going to mash you. We're going to run over your face. And we're just going to impose our will from the jump. And that might not work for 17 games, but that's what this team is right now with Sam Darnold at quarterback and DJ Moore potentially not playing in this game either. My only note for John Foreman is he's the number one positive regression candidate, according to the model uh, at the running back position this week. There we go. There we go. All right. 
One more name for you, Hayden, and it is Isaiah Another Pacheco. Rookie. Yep. Another rookie here, Isaiah Pacheco. So the Chiefs, because their wide receiver group has, I'd say, underwhelmed this year, um, even with like the obviously obvious downgrades from Tyreek Hill. They've been using their running backs a lot more. Over the last month, they're the fifth uh, in expected half PPR points to their running backs. They're 10th in neutral pass rate over that span. Uh, and I think that's going to continue here. Obviously, the Texans, uh, teams facing them, have the highest neutral run rate in the league. They are dead last against fantasy running backs. The Chiefs are the only team projected for over 29 points, and they're all the way up at 31. All of these stuff looks good. The reason why I like Isaiah Pacheco is I think that he, even though he loses snaps to Jarek McKinnon, who I think still flex play this week, he's going to be the one that's going to run the game out at the end. And we've seen this happen a couple of times before. And I think they want to see if they can trust Isaiah Pacheco before they go to the playoffs. I don't see the Texans staying in this game at all. Um, so I just think third quarter, fourth quarter comes, you're going to see a lot of Isaiah Pacheco. And I think they just want to give him a little test at the goal line to see what they're going to do down the stretch. Still very optimistic with Patrick Mahomes for the record. He's still my quarterback one because uh, I think they're going to score so many points. But I think third quarter, fourth quarter, you're going to see a bunch of Isaiah Pacheco. To your point, and in the game against the Los Angeles Rams just a few weeks ago when they won 26 to 10, Isaiah Pacheco only has five carries inside of the five-yard line all season. He had two of them in this game, okay? And in the end, with 8.09 left, Isaiah Pacheco got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 touches. <laughs> 11 touches in the game with just eight minutes left. So when you're up by 13 or 16 or whatever it was with this game, having a 14 point spread, I believe at the moment I am with you, Hayden, where it might not be in order to get them up by let's say 14 or 16 points, but in the end to run it out, Isaiah Pacheco was the dude for that 11 carries in a eight minute span is not so stuff that CMC usage. And all the four of those uh, carries were inside the five yard line. He actually even go. had a, a goal line touch in the third quarter as well. So that's oh, what I'm hoping for here. You're right. He has five on the season and four of them were here uh, in, in this one game. Nuts. Pretty I nice. think another part that's a little bit underrated about the backfield is like on that graphic as well. You see Ronald Jones, like kind of peek his head in there the past two weeks. Like it has been a condensed, like two man backfield. Like there is no more of this, like, like Clyde Edwards, Alaire role, Pacheco role, like receiving role. It's now made both of them like very much startable because it is just a two-man backfield, which we hope Ronald Jones, Melvin Gordon stay on the bench. Um, oh, but for now, it looks good. <laughs> is Miko back? I know his uh, practice window was opened. Is he? Is he? Back he's got another week. I think he's okay. got another. Uh, Kadarius Tony was limited in practice. We'll see what happens. Um, we have the Sunday show to kind of go over. Yeah, we'll that. always have twenty twenty three to hype him up as well. I'm talking oh, to myself in the mirror. Well, Juju could be gone. MVS, MVS could, could be, be gone. gone. Yeah. yeah, it's not that hard of a case to make. Yeah, Sky Morphers is Kadarius Tony coming to you wrong? on the Underdog Football Show this summer. Here we go. Uh, we'll close out with David and Joku. It's against the Baltimore Ravens, a defense that stopping the run has been exceptional as of late, like by far and away the best in the league. And actually, this coincides with the Cleveland Browns rushing offense being a lot worse since like the final Jacoby Brissett days and namely since the redacted quarterback took over. And I think part of this just from an eye test perspective is it seems like because Deshaun loves to operate out of shotgun, they are running more out of the gun, which is less effective for Nick Chubb. So anyways, what this brings to the table is 
David Njoku, one of the most talented tight ends in the league, is now becoming more and more comfortable in this offense from start to finish of this season. And maybe you can take away the seams. And in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of his production this past week <clears throat> was on kind of these heavy play action looks. And he worked towards the middle that he scaped out to the side. And this is exactly how he scored his touchdown too. This might be the easy button for this offense because I don't know how much is easy against the Ravens when they're as they're playing it right now. Uh, it needs to be a, a better stretch of the season for Deshaun Watson in order to elicit any optimism. Let's say if the Browns heading into 2023. And I think David Njoku is a major, major part of that. Over the last month, he's a tight end too in usage. And even before his injury, he was still getting heavy looks. So uh, I think he's a really good player. Like, oh, yeah. I think you can make an argument he's a top five real life tight end. He's getting the usage. Amari Cooper's been on the injury report for the last couple of weeks. I think that's kind of hurt his play. So that puts more uh, stress onto David Njoku and Donovan Peoples Jones. Yep. All right. That is going to do it for us. Ron, this was a pleasure. Tell the people, since we are viewers, we know what you have going on. Great channel. Life. And on your channel, Ron does it the right way, ladies and gentlemen. It's in the description down below. But tell the people what they can expect over there, Ron. They can expect some high-quality fantasy football videos over on the Ron <laughs> Stewart YouTube channel. It's just my name. I sit on the mic. I mm -hmm. ramble like a crazy person to the camera by myself for 40 minutes at a time. But it's a great channel. I pour my heart out into those videos. Yep. Um, don't have a ton else to really plug, though. Like We're at the end of the season here. Just check out the YouTube uh, going to be working on like prospect model stuff in the off season. Going to be uh, getting freaky in the Google Sheets, as I say. But that's pretty much that's pretty much all I got. But I, I want to say thank you guys for having me on. This is a cool like you guys have kind of not not to give you guys too much praise here. Like, you guys have kind of made, especially with that um, the thirty two stats versus film video. Like, you guys have sort of found a way here to like make a not appointment television, but like appointment oh. viewing, where it's like live and you're getting a bunch of like a, a live audience while you're actually love that, Ron. You know, maintaining a show so hats off to you guys that, a lot of respect for what you guys do um thank you guys for sure yeah right i mean grinding content by by yourself is a chore he's doing that so consistently thumbnails on point all that stuff so yeah i think he's a model of what you can do as a solo creator it's very yeah. cool to see. we learn a lot from you as well ron um and before we get out of here playoff best ball is here the gauntlet game is in the pick of lobby hayden tell the people it's a 25 dollar entry a million dollar tournament for playoff fantasy football a hundred thousand dollars to first place all about stacking correlation i have a video on how to build your rosters here if the 25 price point is not uh, right for you there will be mittens on monday uh it is selling fast out there i think this thing's going to fill earlier than expected i think it's the most intriguing kind of fantasy football game so much game theory i've got strategy columns i've got a strategy video on there stack your teams figure out who's going to win in the super bowl um it's my favorite fantasy football game out there there we go that's gonna do it for us we'll see you on sunday morning show 10 30 eastern start set in the morning go and check out scheme great episode on ben johnson the lions offense uh Who? Some really cool shit that he is doing let's put it that way all right up the bill everyone we'll talk to y'all soon see ya mm -hmm.